0: Yes! to Welcome to this week's episode of Graveyard Coffee Talk. We are your hosts...
1: Amanda. And Corinne. This week, uh, I am drinking the pumpkin spice latte from our local coffee shop, Sintergoss Coffee, because I am a basic-ass bitch. I, too, am drinking the pumpkin spice latte from Sintergoss,
0: because I am also very, very basic and
1: so very white. Guys... This pumpkin spice is so freaking good. They toast all of their spices in shop and make the syrups there. And it's just magnificent.
0: It's really wonderful. We are very blessed to live close to so many great coffee shops in town. Yes. And uh, I've gone ahead and pulled our card for the day. Today we have the Five of Cups. Uh, I'm using a slightly different tarot deck than normal. It is the Wild Unknown Tarot. And one of the things that I really like about this is that you don't read reversals. So while technically this was reversed... Oh, hey, there's a cat in my lap. (laughs) Um, Hi, Pat. The Five of Cups in this is grief and disappointment. Um, It talks about maybe even having a feeling of regret and not making hasty decisions like my cat, who has hastily decided to rub his face on the microphone. And honestly, this card makes a lot of sense for our topic today. Which is making poor life choices. Yes. As a child. Amanda, did you, did you play any occult games when you were growing up?
1: So I definitely played light as a feather, stiff as a board. Okay. Definitely played Bloody Mary in After School Care's bathroom. Great. Many, many times. Never saw anything. And I think... I think after I saw Beetlejuice for the first time, I tried to get Beetlejuice to show up.
0: Okay, all right, all right. Also didn't work. I'm sorry. I know. Yeah, we definitely would play Bloody Mary at sleepovers at my friend Katie's house. Excellent. Um, yeah, that was terrifying because I am a coward, as we have previously established. I didn't, I didn't enjoy that game. Um, we also would hold seances... And use a homemade Ouija board. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful.
1: Excellent.
0: We take like... Her mom helped us out with this. We took a glass cutting board. We wrote out the alphabet. And we used like a little ramekin as the the planchette.
1: (laughs) I love Katie's mom. (laughs) I have no idea who this woman is. And I think she is excellent. And this is some A-plus parenting. Yes.
0: Uh, Thank you, Jan Davenport. I'm sure you don't remember helping us make these live choices katie davenport if you ever hear this uh yeah thank you for all those horrifying times in your basement as a (laughs) child um my parents told me not to play those games
1: you know i'll be honest i have never played with a ouija board okay um in my life
0: yeah i was banned from ouija boards as a child and that clearly didn't stick i swear to god kat if you step on my laptop while we're recording the last thing you ever do
1: that's a lie patrick is in charge in this house and we all know it yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so speaking of Ouija boards, yes. do you want to jump in here? Yes, speaking of Ouija boards, so instead of my usual shallow dives around a few different stories, today I am going to discuss the origins of everyone's favorite Hasbro board game. <laughs> uh, Ouija boards are also known as spirit boards or talking boards. Mm-hmm. Um, the name Ouija is trademarked and we will get to it. Oh, okay. And uh, the history of the Ouija board in particular's use in the occult is as American as apple pie and capitalism.
0: Fuck yes. Yes. Okay. Tell me about my capitalist ghost friends.
1: All right. So, a precursor to modern day Ouija board and the big inspiration for its creator is spirit writing. Okay. Uh, Specifically, Fuji. Uh, Which is a planchette writing that shows up in historical documents of the Song Dynasty in China circa um, 1000 AD. Okay. So it involved special rituals, required supervision from various religious leaders... And it was used as a means of necromancy and communication with the spirit world until it was forbidden by the Qing dynasty sometime in the early 1700s.
0: Okay. All right. Um,
1: So basically, uh, Ouija boards have the exact same history as (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh. You're welcome. (laughs) Okay. Ancient mystical arts. Some American businessmen thought, hmm, I can market this to kids. Made a super game, Target carries all of it.
0: (laughs) I hate that you're not wrong. I hate it. Okay.
1: I'm not wrong at all. Okay. All right. I'm good. All right. So in 1890, businessman and attorney Elijah Bond uh, was inspired by what he read about Fuji and the growing spiritualist movement in America because I don't know if you guys are aware but the victorian's were very bored and often under the influence of a lot um you had morphine in your cough syrup you had yes. cocaine in your soda oh, the, the spiritualist g- movement was everywhere
0: goodness god i want morphine in my cough syrup yeah that's okay i had codeine in mine when i was growing up so it's fine it's whatever It's
1: fine. It's fine. Um, So he had the idea to patent a planchette sold with a board on which the alphabet was printed. Okay. So while we talk about Ouija boards, it was the planchette that was...
0: The planchette's the important bit. Yes. Okay.
1: Um, Because that is what, allegedly, the spirits are using to communicate.
0: Okay. So it's different from, like... Auto-writing. Yes. Got it. Okay.
1: Yes. And he was issued U.S. patent 446,054 on February 10th, 1891. And we'll put this up on our website and on socials. But Corinne, if you would like to look at the original. Oh, would you look at that little buddy? Patent. Okay. And like, that is a weird looking planchette.
0: Yeah, I. it's not what you typically see when you see a modern day Ouija board with its little kind of arrowy planchette buddy. Yes, and we will get to that.
1: Cool beans, cool beans. I'm here for this. Love it. Uh, so eventually, his employee, William Fold, just the greatest con man in American history, as what? far as I am concerned, I. I'm obsessed with this man now, having done this research. Okay,
0: so this is like a good con man, not like most of our politician con men. Oh, no, he's a terrible trash con man, but I love him. Okay, so he's a good trash fire, not a we poop on his grave trash fire. Or both.
1: As far as I can tell, um, you know, this was in the late 1800s, early 1900s, so I'm sure he- He had some baggage. Yeah, yeah. But nothing out of the ordinary for the time. Okay. So he took over talking board production. Mm-hmm. And in 1901, he broke from Bond's company and started the production of his own boards, which he called Ouija boards. Okay. And claimed he invented them. Uh, he claimed that he got the word Ouija from using the board and talking to an ancient Egyptian spirit <laughs> because you can't have a late Victorian spiritualist not. Contact someone from ancient Egypt. It really is Yuuko. It. I'm telling you. Fuck. <laughs> and the spirit told him that that word was the ancient Egyptian word meaning good luck. Mmm. Ouija took off.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So
1: it became an incredibly popular game. You know. You've – especially immediately post-World War I, mm. uh, seances became incredibly common, lots of parents trying to talk to their kids who never came back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so competitors started flooding the market with other spirit boards. Okay. So our buddy, Mr. Fold, got clever. So okay. So in 1919, he introduced several exact replicas of Ouija boards – under different names, uh, one of which the the one that had the most staying power was called the Mystifying Oracle. Okay, and he started flooding the market with his own cheaper versions, so that even if people were buying cheaper versions of a Ouija board, he was getting the money for it. So
0: he's just fucking cannibalizing his own market. Yep. Oh, this is okay. Oh, the marketer in me is so excited. Yes.
1: Uh, Oh, tell me more. And they were literal replicas of the Ouija board. Nothing was different. Oh, my. And he was selling them and he was selling them at a loss until he drove his competitors out of the market.
0: So this is where Amazon learned to do things.
1: Yes, yes. Our buddy Mr. Fold is Jeff Bezos. He's a proto Jeff Bezos. Yes, I love it. I uh, don't love it, but I do. I historically, yes, good. So he also launched a line of Ouija jewelry. Sounds legit. Uh, trademarked, and a Ouija oil for rheumatism that he claimed he got the recipe for from his old ancient Egyptian spirit. Snake oil. <clears throat> Yep. Okay. But, but whew, that Egyptian spirit really gave some high quality information to this dude, didn't he? I okay. Um, and Fold ended up living a, a pretty decent long life. Um, he served in some local government boards.
0: Oh, Jesus. Okay.
1: Yes. So moving on, because it's a great idea to teach all of our listeners how to play the games that we are talking about here, because... Oh, I might be teaching everybody how to play the games I found. Exactly. So here is the complete guide to using a Ouija board from liveabout.com. Okay, okay, okay. So the rules. One, it takes at least two people to Ouija.
0: Okay.
1: (laughs) Usually... one person's not able to work it, get at least one friend to use it with you, and having both a male and a female in the group is usually recommended.
0: Interesting.
1: Because apparently spirits are turfs. Okay, well. I'm just saying, that is...
0: It's, it's very heteronormative. Yes.
1: But what whatevs. Uh, timing. Most practitioners suggest using the board at night when... They say there's less interference in the atmosphere.
0: I don't think that's how that works. I
1: don't think so either. I don't know
0: a lot about atmospheric science, but I don't think that's how that works.
1: Yep. But okay. Um, Number three, since there's less interference in the atmosphere, you have to create some atmosphere. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, just the way it's written. If you don't have your own atmosphere, store-bought is fine? Exactly. Uh, Ouija's more fun if you darken the room and light some candles. Okay. Turn off the TV and any music to minimize distractions. Number four, have a seat. No, you can't make me. (laughs) She says as she sits in a chair.
0: It's fine, I'm fine.
1: Number five, decide on a questioner or medium. Even though both people can ask questions or anyone else in the room, not just who's sitting at the board, only one of the users should be... The medium, a.k.a. the one to formally ask questions.
0: Okay. Number six. I don't think we did that right as a child, but okay.
1: Place your fingers on the planchette. Yep. Um, Just just your fingers. Very light touch. Number seven. Move it. Purposefully move the planchette around in a circle on the board for a moment or two to get it warmed up. Oh, no. We never did that. We just dove all in, balls to the walls. Well, Corinne, this is why you don't have your own oil for rheumatism on the market now. God damn! Number eight attitude: Don't let the board control the session. Okay. The medium should begin by announcing that the session will only allow an experience that is positive or toward a higher good, and that negative energies are not welcome.
0: You tell him, bestie.
1: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Number nine: Begin simply. Start with a simple question, um, one that requires a yes or no answer. Mm-hmm. Number ten: Be patient. You might not begin to get answers right away. Give the board a chance to warm up. Okay. Number eleven: Be polite. When the board starts working, thank the board or entities for showing up and communicating with you. Okay. I think that's just that's just common sense. Yeah. Like they are a guest in your home.
0: It's kind of like in in the Young Wizards books by Diane Duane. You might be about to take a two-by-four to the spirit of all that is evil, but you should at least be fucking polite about it.
1: Exactly. Say hello. It's not that hard. Number 12, don't ask stupid questions. (laughs) Welp. Avoid (laughs) questions such as, when am I going to die? (laughs) Looking at you, every horror movie protagonist. Um, if, if you don't ask the questions, you don't get the plot to the film. Get it together. <laughs> if the board answers, in six months, you might worry about it needlessly because you cannot always trust the board to tell you the truth.
0: Interesting. So, uh, spirits in this game can lie to you. Yes. Okay, that's that's good knowledge.
1: Number 13, don't ask for physical signs. Whoops. Um, experienced users warn against asking for physical signs that the spirit is real or present. I'm pretty sure the plot of just about every possession story that I've read, whoever asks for proof is the one that gets possessed, because uh, there's your proof positive right there.
0: You are inviting some weird entities to start fucking with you.
1: Yep. So, like, okay. Number 14, don't believe everything the board tells you. Just as with any other source of information, don't accept whatever the board says to be truth or accurate
0: it's fake news the spirits are giving
1: me fake news uh yes uh ouija it turns out actually translates to fox <gasps> <laughs> oh that's good that's good And do what i can Uh-oh. oh and if that doesn't weed out people i don't want listening to this podcast nothing will hey, amen number 15 close the board Okay. When you're done with your session, intentionally slide the planchette to goodbye. Okay. And remove your hands while it is still on goodbye. That, okay. Um, and then some other tips. Have someone write down the answers. Okay. Play sober. That
0: sounds... I mean, I played sober because I was a child, like an actual elementary school child. But you'd have to get me really drunk to fuck with a Ouija board now. I can't say anything because I, my... I know that in a horror film, I would be the dumb bitch going, I'm going to play with the Ouija board. I'm going to go into the dark basement by myself. As I have proven on many runs, I'm going to run by that creepy cemetery. I'm going to go pelting into the foggy park by myself at 6 o'clock in the morning.
1: Yeah. Uh, Listeners, that is something that Corinne actually did recently. (laughs) A really, for real thing, she thought, hmm, this is smart. Yep. Yep. This is a great idea.
0: My husband's really proud of me.
1: (laughs) Um, Maintain control. If the board starts giving you rude, vulgar, obscene, or otherwise disagreeable responses, break off the session immediately by closing the board. Okay. Which I kind of love. Like, I'm just imagining this crotchety old demonic spirit being like, fuck you and your mom, and you going, nope. It's Like, like you just bitch buttoned the demon.
0: I love it. I love it, like, mm, blocked. Yep. And
1: don't take it too seriously.
0: Okay. Awesome. That's amazing. I love
1: it. Yes. So, look, guys. Ouija boards are a children's game invented by an American businessman, marketed by an American con man. But a lot of people believe that they deliver on their promise to communicate with the spirit world. So here's just a quick list of authors who claim that the Ouija board helped them complete their work, a.k.a. my new TBR list. Yes, yes, yes. Bring it. So Emily Grant Hutchings claimed that her novel, Jap Heron, a novel written from the Ouija board, was dictated by Mark Twain's spirit. This novel was published in 1917, seven years after Mark Twain died. Hmm. Okay. Pearl Lenore Curran claimed that for over 20 years, she communicated with a spirit named Patience Worth, and uh, transcribed several novels as dictated by patients. Okay. William Butler Yeats' wife was a regular Ouija board user, and her experiences inspired the bulk of his work.
0: Okay. All right. All right. In
1: 1982, poet James Merrill released an apocalyptic 560-page epic poem. No, thank you. Called The Changing Light at Sandover, which documented two decades of messages dictated from the Ouija board during seances hosted by Merrill and his partner David Noyes Jackson.
0: Oh, children. That's a lot of pages and of I don't like epic poetry. Why?
1: Oh, I love epic poetry. This is like getting bumped up to my list. This won all sorts of awards. It's supposed to be amazing. Wild, okay. And of course, we can't discuss Ouija boards without talking about what everyone really wants, which is demonic possessions. Yay! And while I, I don't a hundred percent believe in demonic possessions, I don't hundred percent not believe this is not yeah. Um, me challenging a spirit to teach Correct. me anything. Correct. Uh, but I also refuse to use Ouija boards as anything other than decor because these stories creep me the fuck out.
0: My my aunt. Knew a priest who was writing a thesis on the use of Ouija boards and had enough creepy shit happen that he went to, like, his advisors and was like, um, I closed out my session and I woke up with the Ouija board on my chest. And they're like, and your thesis research is done. You're picking a different topic. Do not fuck with this shit. I want to read
1: what he already had written now. Right? Right? And this is
0: why I was not allowed to play with
1: Ouija boards as a child. Sorry, mom and dad. That's fair. Uh, I know growing up, my mom told us that we were never allowed to have a Ouija board in the house because they played with one when she was a kid. She has never explicitly described what happened. But I do know that my grandparents, about six months after the Ouija board session, had a couple of different priests come over and bless the house. Sounds legit. Um, God, we're Catholics. Very. <laughs> incredibly. Wow. Sorry. So, uh, the most famous case of post Ouija demonic possession is a 14 year old boy in Maryland in the late 1940s who was possessed by several malevolent spirits and exercised by a couple different Catholic priests. Mm-hmm. This boy, who is referred to as Robbie, um, they did keep his actual name
0: I'm actually familiar with this case because my, my aunt, the one with the priest friend, mm-hmm. actually lived in Maryland, and they weren't far from where this allegedly took place. Oh.
1: Ex- wow.
0: We've had some, like, weird shit just tangentially around my family. There's a reason that I, I believe in a lot of the supernatural.
1: Nice. Uh, so... Okay. This boy was introduced to the Ouija board by his aunt, who was a spiritualist. Okay. After said aunt passed away, the family started experiencing strange noises, furniture moving on its own, and normal objects like vases flying whenever Robbie was nearby. Okay. Which is exactly what you want to see from your teenager. You're like, God damn it. First you yell at me because I make you wake up for school. Now you're making bases fly across the room. Like, no one has time for that. I,
0: one day we're going to have to do a deep dive into the whole interrelation between poltergeist activity and having teenagers in the house. A thousand percent.
1: Yeah. So according to the traditional story, which I will say up front has not been substantiated by anything other than anecdotal evidence. Mm-hmm. None of the records from the hospital's mentioned from here on in support any of these yeah
0: plus it happened to a minor so i can see where it would be really hard to substantiate that anyway
1: exactly i mean it was the 40s though so (laughs) i don't think HIPAA was quite the monster it is today yeah well uh so again according to the traditional story a catholic priest conducted an exorcism on robbie at georgetown university hospital during the exorcism, the boy managed to slip a hand out of his restraints, broke a bed spring off the bottom of his bed, and used that to slash the priest's arm. Oh. Which halted the ritual. Yeah. Mm hmm. The family then moved to St. Louis. Okay. Where he was transported to the Alexian Brothers Hospital, where three priests mm-hmm. took on this exorcism. During this exorcism, the bed shook on its own. Mm-hmm. The boy spoke in a guttural voice, not of this world. Okay. And words like evil and hell appeared in blood all over his body, uh, particularly during the Litany of Saints. Um,
0: That's creepy. I have goosebumps.
1: <laughs> the exorcism was successful this time, though, and by all accounts, Robbie went on to lead a completely normal life.
0: I have seen the building where he stayed, in St. Louis. Really? I uh, visited St. Louis University when I was trying to decide where to go to college. And they huh. pointed it out on the tour of campus. Since SLU is a Jesuit university. Huh. Right? I did not go to St. Louis University for a variety of reasons. That actually wasn't one of them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you stayed here in Louisville and we have Waverly Hills. like. <laughs> yeah, well... That's good. Which, I don't know. Maybe we'll cover that eventually. Um, and this is the story that inspired The Exorcist. Yep. That I did know. Uh, more recently, November of 2014, 35 students in Bolivia were hospitalized due to trances, excessive sweating, and rapid heartbeats after playing with the Ouija board.
0: Oh, wild. Okay. 35. There. Oh... Oh, okay. We gotta. I'm taking notes because there's some other things that we can talk about in future episodes revolving around instances of mass possession or possibly mass hysteria in religious schools in Latin America. It's a whole fucking thing.
1: Okay. That is incredibly specific, and I'm excited now. Right? (laughs) All right. Okay. Um, So that's the bulk of it. You know, I. A lot of research that has been done into alleged Ouija board capabilities has shown that it's it's really just a mass suggestion mm-hmm. issue. Um, there was a famous TV show in England in I want to say the 1980s where they had participants play mm-hmm. e- conduct a seance with the Ouija board okay. with their eyes open. Okay. And they all believed that they were communicating with something. Mm-hmm. They were then blindfolded. Okay. Not told they were playing with the same group of people. And the planchette never moved. Because, again,
0: yeah. there's... there are that subconscious. Well, the
1: human brain is... Wild. Just fascinating. And we don't know the half of it. Metacognition is fascinating.
0: I love it. Great. It's so cool. Um, and that's the Ouija board. That's really cool. And um one of the two games that I have is another like fortune telling type game that involves the summoning of spirits. Excellent. What could go wrong? So much, actually. <laughs> so very much. Um so I I tend to really focus on like the sociocultural whys of folklore. Like what, what causes this? And I had a really hard time digging into that because, honestly, this shit creeps me the fuck out. I, I I don't like it. I don't. So I picked two of the least scary things that I could find.
1: Excellent. Um,
0: I used as a jumping off point the book Dangerous Games to Play in the Dark by Lucia Peters, uh, which you actually recommended to me. Yes. Um, and I only read that during the day.
1: Yeah, guys, if you read this, A, don't play any of the games in it. Eh, I think some you could probably get away with. I'm not going to lie. Okay, there are a lot that you really shouldn't. If it says danger rating high... Maybe don't do it. Don't? Yeah. Um, and also the way that these games are described in that book is... She's good at atmospheric creepy writing. Yes.
0: She's very good at atmospheric creepy writing because it's like, um... When I started doing research on this first topic, I was like, oh, this sounds horrifying. And then I actually read about it. I'm like, oh, this is actually – this is fine. I can deal with this. Um, So first off, teenagers, why y'all spooky?
1: Why? So my big theory – because it's not just teenagers. It's teenage girls specifically. And I think it's because – and this is me talking out my ass, and I'm okay with that – Historically, in many cultures, especially from a Western perspective, Mm -hmm. women are children and thus not seen, not heard, or they are potential wives and mothers. Yep. And that 12 to 14 age, your hormones are all all over the place. All over the goddamn place. You're still not 100% sure that you're interested in whatever gender you're interested in. Mm Mm-hmm. And no one's expecting much of you at those ages. That's very true. You're allowed a little more autonomy, but you're not... You're not an adult. You're not an adult and you don't have that set of expectations on you. And I think it's human nature to go and push the limits and see where you can end up.
0: That's totally fair. That's totally fair. Um, But anyway... Uh, I started digging into this book and I found a couple of games that I found absolutely fascinating. The first of them is a game from Japan called Hyakumonogatari Kairankai. And Hyakumonogatari just means 100 stories. Okay. And this game did not actually originate with spooky-ass teenage girls. We have young men of the samurai class to thank you for this game. Huh. Because this was basically a way to show off how macho you and brave you were. Um, the spirit world is something that people in Japan would talk about all the time anyway. Um, you have stories about all kinds of spirits. A lot of this has to do with Shintoism, where everything really does have a soul, which is one of the things I really love about Shintoism. So the game would go, you would have a hundred little lanterns all lit in a dark room. Okay. And you would tell a scary story. Probably one from your region. And this might be something as simple as, hey, you know that weird rock? A tengu lives there. Excellent. Or, you know, maybe you're telling a story about, oh, you know, I heard about a friend who um, ran into a a Yukiona snow woman while traveling in the mountains this winter and he was lucky to escape with his life. Things like that. And as you tell each story, you blow out a light. And with each story, you're summoning... More and more spiritual energy. And once you tell that 100th story and blow that 100th light out, something is supposed to happen.
1: Just something? Just
0: something. That I never saw anything like, yes, this is absolutely what happens. But you have summoned all of this spiritual energy. Okay. And it's, it's there in the room with you and something will happen. In one apocryphal story that I saw, uh, you know, these, these young samurai are telling the story... And they get to the last one, and they're going to blow the candle out. And they see what looks like a hand of shadows reaching towards them. No, thanks. So several of the men are cowering in fear. But one quick-witted man draws his sword and slashes. And it turns out it was just a spider. And it was a little shadow (laughs) in the light. Which, I mean, okay, look, I'm really afraid of spiders. So, yeah, I might have preferred the hand. I'm like, yeah, no, spiders are are no bueno. But a lot of it was like, how brave are you? How far can you get down this telling of all of these scary stories? But there was never any shame in stopping in that 99th and not continuing to the 100th story. Like, you you wouldn't be scorned for it, for being like, you know what? I'm not going to summon some shit.
1: Interesting. We're good.
0: Um, so as I was... Reading about this, I found a really cool website about Monogatari by a guy named Zach Davison, and his website is called hyakumonogatari.com. And he talked about how this game, which originated in the late 17th century, so we're talking like 1680s, 1690s, uh, at about that same time, the printing press had been developed in Japan. Okay. So the game of Monogatari helped spread the popularity of the printing press because people were... Wanting stories from all around. Because, you know, you can only tell the same scary stories so many times. So... We crave novelty. We do, we do. So you have people getting stories in in bound books from other areas all across Japan. Instead of just your local set of villages or your town. Wild. I love it. So um, there's even a version called Shokoku The hyonok- Shokoku... Hyakumonogatari, which is A Hundred Tales of Many Countries. So, in addition to having tales from Japan, you get tales from maybe some European traders, maybe Korea, maybe mainland China. Interesting. So they were getting global ghost stories. And what's very important to note is everybody swore that their story is true. So, you
1: know. That's how every urban legend has to be told. It's
0: really cool. So I I love that image. Like, it started with the samurai class. And it started to spread to everybody.
1: Fine. Right?
0: It's super cool. And it's not that scary. I mean, like, I'm sure if you sit around telling 100 scary stories in the dark, after a while, you're probably going to get a little bit creeped out. But I didn't have to read those scary stories. I just had to read about people (laughs) telling the scary stories. And that's fine. I'm cool with that shit. Fair. I love it. So that is the first of the games that I found that I was like, I can fuck with that. The next one did, in fact, creep me the fuck out. <laughs> Excellent. It is another um, fortune-telling story, like I mentioned earlier. And it is called El Juego de Sara Sarita, and it originates in Mexico. Okay. So there's two ways of thinking about this story. Um, in one, Sara Sarita is actually the daughter of the devil, and you're
1: summoning her to ask questions. I didn't realize he was a family man.
0: Apparently so. He's a, he's, maybe he's a good dad. We don't know.
1: We don't know. We don't know. We can extrapolate. But mm-hmm. also, you know, he did feel the need to rebel against his own father. So cycle of abuse just continues. Yeah, well, well, well. Um,
0: but the other story is that Sara and Sarita were actually twin sisters in a school in Mexico. They were both very beautiful. They always wore matching coin necklaces. Okay. Um, they were popular. They were cheerleaders. They were very involved in their school. And one day, they stayed after for cheerleading practice, not knowing that uh, the practice had been canceled. And the creepy janitor at their school, you know, takes them into a back room and starts torturing them. Murders one of them. The other sister, in her fear, starts, like, beating at the guy to get away. And starts to run. But he's able to capture and kill her as well. Jesus. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. So... You know, it is decided that the girls have gone missing, they find their bodies, and the police, for whatever reason, determine that it's actually a murder-suicide. And that one sister killed her twin and then killed herself. So the janitor is never brought to justice. Okay. Yeah, it's great, it's great. So, um, to play El Juego de Sarasarita, you need two people. All right. And you need two coins of the same denomination. So like two quarters or two pennies or, um, you know, two five peso pieces. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It just depends on where you are in the world, geographically speaking. The coins have to be the same denomination.
1: I'm just gonna say, if you're gonna try to summon my spirit after I go, do not insult me with pennies. That's all you got. That's all you got, man. Well, if that's all you got, maybe don't go
0: making deals with well, you're not making deals. You are asking permission to ask questions. Okay. So you got your two you got your two players, you got your two coins. And what you need to do is you say, "Sara Sarita, can I enter this game?" You say this in unison. And then you flip your coins. If it's two heads up, you've gotten a yes. You can start playing. It's safe. Okay. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> if you get two tails, that's a no. You can ask again, and you can keep asking until you're granted permission to play. But don't start asking questions if you get a no. If you get a heads and a tails, that's a maybe. You can start asking questions. Certainly don't believe most of the answers you're getting, because Sarita can lie to you. Okay, so
1: like with the Ouija board? Like with the Ouija board,
0: yes. Okay. Or you can, again, keep tossing those coins until you get that for sure Yes. And then you start asking your yes or no questions, and those answers are going to be the same based on your coin toss—yes, no, maybe. Okay. Um, and again, Sara Sarita can lie to you, even if you get a yes. Even if you get a yes. So if you get a yes and you ask Sara Sarita, "Hey, does that boy in my class have a crush on me?" and you get a yes, that might not really be the case. So you know, be careful with with how you act on this information. And once you've asked all your questions, you're done. You say, "Sara Sarita."
1: May we leave this game? Oh, I don't like having to ask permission to leave this. You
0: have to ask permission to leave. And you can't stop until you've gotten a yes. You can't get a maybe. You can't get a no. You have to get a yes. And if you end the game without being given permission, bad shit happens. Yeah, I don't like that. So, um, on one of the sites I was looking at that is explaining the game and uh, the, the legend about Sarasarita... This chick from Venezuela was saying, yeah, some kids in my sister's class were playing and they didn't get permission to leave. And one of the boys' dog was barking all that night long. And in the morning, the dog was dead. Don't fuck with
1: Sara Sarita, y'all. She'll kill your puppy. Apparently. And that's when you go find, I don't know, John Constantine. Get rid of this woman. Get the (laughs) Ghostbusters. You killed a dog. You're done. (laughs) Get your local priest, whatever you need to do
0: um but yeah apparently it's actually really really hard to get a yes once you've started playing the game and you want to leave that's that's what i've heard anyway i'm not about to play it because um like look i play with ouija boards because i i don't 100 percent believe in any of that i mean i believe in ghosts but i don't believe that the ouija board is actually communing with ghosts but that shit now that freaks me out the fuck out why would you risk it and that is el juego de sara de you're welcome great i promise not to teach that one to your son
1: thanks (laughs) thanks so much my son who likes to wave at random corners of the ceiling uh, a few days ago laid down on the kitchen floor pointed at the ceiling and said skull which is what you want to hear from a toddler yeah yeah it's great you're welcome. I love living in my old Victorian house that definitely had someone die in it in the 60s.
0: You're welcome. Right. Anyway, that's what I got for us today.
1: Wonderful. So again, um, maybe don't play these games we discussed. Maybe do buy the book uh, Dangerous Games to Play in the Dark. And... Yeah, I'm not going to sleep tonight has nothing to do with the caffeine that we just consumed. Nothing at all. Sweet dreams, guys, and caffeinated nightmares.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Graveyard Coffee Talk. Our theme music is Pretty Little Dead Girls by and McGuire, copyright 2006 and used with permission. Our cover art is by Kyle Welsh. If you want to keep the chat going, please visit our website at graveyardcoffeetalk.com for transcripts, episode notes, and more follow us on Instagram at Pod or on Twitter at TalkGraveyard. The Graveyard. It. So long hair, but she's
1: 16. Still, she never grew up, she never will.